Are you a comic who wants to take your comedy to the next level? Sometimes you need a little help, and that's where the Clean Comedy Challenge comes into play. This is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I'm the creator and producer of this challenging event. This year we have three different locations, each with a cash prize. Two of the three are full-blown three-day events with seminars, critiques, and performances in a real comedy club. Past attendees include Johnny W., Charlene May, Andy Medango, Marty Simpson, and Mike Paramar, all who are now full-time comedians. So, if you're ready to take advice from the pros and perform in a real comedy club, go to cleancomedychallenge.com. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. And don't forget to mention Rick Roberts' School of Laughs, so I know where you came from. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last Podcast. Thanks to the Clean Comedy Challenge for sponsoring today's episode. And also to Patreon supporter Justin Ducks for supporting us monthly through a donation on Patreon. You can learn more about how to do that if you want to support the podcast at www.schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks to both of you for supporting the show. Hey, today I've got an interview with a magician. Only done that once or twice before on the show. And actually, he came uh, highly recommended by many different people. And I finally got a chance to see him in action and thought, boy, this is my chance to ask him to be on the show. And I got him. He's got a great story and also a lot of good tips and some insight into performing, uh, not just magic, but in general, and some killer website tips there at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. We'll get to that in just a second. Before I get rolling, I do have a couple of quick announcements, places I'll be that maybe you'll be at the same time. That's always cool. In January here, coming up in just a couple of weeks, I'll be in Atlanta at the She Conference hosted by Lisa Mills and K. Dodd Stokes. This is a cool conference. It's a faith-based speaking conference, also a business conference for women who want to gain knowledge and wisdom and grow together in the business of writing, speaking, performing, and living. It's serious business, folks, being funny. And I'll be leading a session on how to punch up all of your stuff with humor, using humor in your presentations, in your comedy, of course. All these tips will be applicable across the board. Anybody who gets behind a microphone, Anna Zalady can attend this conference. You can go to sheconference.net to learn more about that. There are still some seats available, registration available online as well at sheconference.net. And I'll be there on the 29th. The event takes place 28th, 29th, and 30th. So mark that down if you're a lady and you want to learn how to be funnier and be more professional in a spiritual kind of way. So look forward to that. Also, in a bigger, wide-open space, I'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan for Laugh Fest. Excited to head back there. It'll be my second time at Laugh Fest, and uh, the first time around, just a blast. This time, I'll be doing a special show on a Sunday at a church. First time they've done a church show, as far as I know, at Laugh Fest, and we're going to give it a shot on uh, March 17th. It'll be in the afternoon, a matinee, so a lot of things... Uh, that you may think is challenging for comedy afternoon in a church. How about that? It's uh, it's going to be fun. So if you want to check out the show to see how that works, if you've never been in a church before, great chance to come in. If you've never seen comedy in a church before, 
a double better reason to come in and see what's going on. Uh, but check that out, LaughFest. Tickets are available now, LaughFest.com. You can check it out or email me, schooloflaughs at gmail.com, for any information on any of the things I've mentioned here so far. All right, let's get into our interview today with Jason Michaels. Well, I'm here with Jason Michaels. How's it going, buddy? That's good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It's well, fi- good to finally catch up with you. Um, your name has floated around a couple different places. Oh. One, um, <laughs> Stephen Bragazzi mentioned. Oh yeah. I mean, th- we did his podcast maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and he he said you got to get Jason in here. You'll love him. Uh, and then uh, yeah. Pete Margaritas, who has the uh, Improv is No Joke yeah. book out Absolutely. and podcast, had you on his, and he's like, you got to get him. He leaves us right down the street from you, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm like, well, shoot, I got, and it's finally worked out. Yeah. That we're both home on a on a time when we can do it. So it's cool. That's, it is funny that because it's similar, similar story. Like, you know, I'm friends with Bargatze. We've been friends, very good friends for a long time. And when he did the podcast with you, he was like, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta talk to him, man. You gotta go and talk to him. I was like, <laughs> okay, absolutely. I, I, so we've been on each other's radar. It's good. Yeah. It's good to have you in here. Well, I got to see you a couple of weeks ago. Um, do your thing. Both of us kind of warmed up for Nate. Yeah. Bargatze when he did his show here at Zany. So, that's cool. I got to see you do your thing, and it was yeah. funny, and it was yeah. magical. You're, yeah, you're, you're, you've been doing the magic for a long time. I have. I got into it when I was 16 years old. That's, so I, I'm much more a magician than I am a comedian. In fact, to say that I am a comedian is to stretch it quite a bit. Well, you know, <laughs> there's definitely comedic elements. Well, anytime you have crowd participation, there's going to be some funny stuff too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah for but, sure. But yeah, there is a different dynamic where expectation level from the crowd is like, okay, this guy's getting a laugh every 10 seconds, or this guy's doing a joke every X minute, right? Know, X amount of minutes or whatever. But you, you definitely have your craft down, and it, I can tell you've done it longer. You're so comfortable. You've probably forgot more magic than most people will ever learn. Well, I just like – oh, I, I was, I've was i been obsessed with magic. It's funny. Um, it's the type of thing that – I've been doing it for you know like 26 years now. Now, granted, it was a hobby for a long time, but I still love to learn about the new ideas that are out there. And I mean, and I'll pick up a book that I've had for 10 years and go back and try to find something that's like that hidden gem that I forgot about. So I love to play with magic. I just love the feeling that it creates with people. It's probably, I mean, it's, it's just like any other type of entertainment with comedy. People, you know, you love to laugh. People love to laugh. It's like that. It's kind of like a drug, you know, it just feels so good, right. you know? And, and with magic, it's, it's, it's a little bit different than laughter, but it has that, you just have this credible rush when you get this feeling of amazement. And, and I never forgot what that felt like the first time it happened to me. And I always thought to myself, I have to share this with other people so they can have this feeling too, because, because you don't get that type of sensation very often. Yeah. I was just thinking that's a great way to explain it is amazement. Yeah. So I was trying to, you know, earlier day think about what is that feeling like a surprise, it's misdirection, it's a reveal. But really, it's like wow! It's the wow factor, right? Yeah. When people, when I see a magician do a joke, I mean, because I'm an entertainer, first I'm watching like the entertainment aspects of sure. it. Then I'm like, okay, because I'm a comedian, I'm looking for where the misdirection is. Like when the feather falls off the table, maybe something's going on over here that you know. Maybe oh, yeah. a, so I'm always trying to figure it out, and I miss it. And sometimes I have to watch the trick two or three times before I actually enjoy the trick for the trick. Okay. <laughs> separate the performance from it and everything else. You know what right, I mean? Right. But uh, it is cool, and it is amazement, and I wonder like. I guess it's a similar feeling for when a comic delivers a punchline and it hits when you do the reveal or whatever. The, what do you call the final part of the trick? Um, is it just the, the uh, twist or the yeah? I mean, or the trick just, itself is that the yeah? I mean, I, I mean, it's just kind of like a story, like the climax of the story, mm, yeah. would be the climax of the trick. Uh, I guess would be you know the, that's when the magic 
you know, that feeling that right. we call magic, that's when it happens. That's when it hits. And, so, and for you as the one who delivers that, do you ever? And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming yes, but I'm going to ask you anyway because a lot of comics will get into kind of a rhythm of our show, and sometimes we stop delivering a joke the way it should be delivered because we've done it so many times. Do you uh, feel like sure. have you been in the middle of a show and you're doing a magic trick and you're, you're you know you're doing your laundry list in your head or something like that, and you're like you're not as focused as you should it's be? Like you better pay attention. Yeah. Like I, you know, every now and then you try not to have that because you want to stay in the moment. But every now and then I'll get I'll all of a sudden find myself in the middle of something and go, what did I just say? Uh-huh. That's what I'm thinking to myself. What words just came out of my mouth? I literally have no idea what I just said. And that's and that's only because like maybe it's something I've done for so long that you can't. You know, I was working on a cruise ship years ago, and that's kind of what happened, where you just did the same thing over and over and over and over again. And it was it was interesting because you could kind of zone out a little bit, but at the same time, one of the really interesting things was that you could um, you could stress different moments, uh-huh. maybe something that you. You know, maybe you put the stress or the emphasis on something slightly different, say something a little bit differently, or just change, you know, the way that you say it, just to see if it gets a different response, just to see if it does get a laugh or whatever. So, but, you know, magic is a little bit, you know, as far as with, I'm guessing that with comedians and with comics, you know, you have, not, I'm not, I'm not guessing. I mean, I know that you get that immediate feedback. Right. There's that laugh. Now with magic, it's a little bit different. When you do the trick, it, and this is the weird thing, you, a lot of times you get stunned silence. So instead of applause and laughter, ah. which is instant feedback, you get crickets. Yeah. <laughs> because they're amazed, but they're not, they're like, yeah. That would be tricky. I mean, it is. I, I guess in those. You know, just like I like to have the lights up so I can see the faces that sure. I'm talking to. So for a magician, I, I would imagine maybe the same thing. Because if they are staring in amazement, you'd want to know that as opposed to it's so dark you don't see the audience and it's just quiet. I have had it happen where I it freaked me out and I was like, "Have I just completely lost them?" And you know, and then somebody would remind me, "No, you got to remember how strong that magic is that you just did for them. They just don't know how to react. There yeah. is no response. They're just stunned." Are there are there performance tricks where you can kind of give them a clue, like you know, take a mini bow or like wave your hands? Yeah. like that's the end. So now it's okay to go ahead and clap. Absolutely, absolutely. So I do, um, like I do this rope routine that has developed over a decade of me doing it, and it was a piece that I would do, and it was a long piece, like a five minute trick to a piece of music. So like it's just the audience just sitting there watching it. Mm-hmm. And the hard part about that, and one of the reasons it really took me so long to finally accept the trick and and be comfortable doing it, uh, is because, golly, making somebody sit there and watch for five minutes and there's no real response. And little by little, I started doing what you said, where I would hit a, a, a moment where uh, something really amazing happens, and then I would just take a very slow, very slight, subtle bow, uh-huh. and that, that's their cue. To applaud, and then I did that, and and then I realized, oh, here's a great technique for this specific trick, mm-hmm. and this can allow them to engage, because you know, with magic, it's kind of like with I'm guessing, it's kind of like with the joke. There's tension that builds, right? And you have to let them release that tension. You do, and and for comedy, the longer that tension builds, the payoff better warrant the right. length of time. Like if it's 30 <laughs> seconds to before you hit a punchline, it better be a good punchline, right? Or yeah. is it going to start kind of so magic? Are there are there tricks that that have to take a while? Um, that you're like you're mm. you're building in some kind of fun along the way, 
or do you find that sometimes you've got um, shorter tricks that you you extend a little bit by adding humor to it? Oh, abso- oh absolutely, certainly. Um, no, it's true. The same is true with magic, that if you're going to spend a lot of time on something, it better have a strong payoff. I mean, it has to, because otherwise, why would you waste our time? Right. Now, the one thing I like about magic that comedians could do, but it's very, very difficult to, is to perform it for a much younger audience. I mean, the great thing about magic is it's time, you know, any age group's going to be amazed by a trick. Mm-hmm. You know, from the time a toddler can sit still, they're going to figure, you know, yeah, sure. Two the, or three, they're probably, they can notice something happened, right? Right, right. With comedy, you know, sometimes I'll get this request, you know, can you come and do comedy for our first grade class? I'm like, I can jump up and down and fall on the ground, but this, that's yeah. not stand up. <laughs> it's falling down, you know? Right, right. But with magic, you have that advantage. So, you know, you started when you were 16 where you're performing for younger kids, birthday parties, like the typical beginning magic stuff, and then some for your peers as well, or how did that start? Yeah, you know, I didn't do a lot of birthday parties. That's one of the few things that I didn't do a lot of. Now, I did, you know, like my sister. My sister is a lot younger than I am. I did her, like her, you know, mm-hmm. like seventh birthday party or something like that, and we have pictures of that, and my family still talks. So it's one of those great, you know, great family moments. I didn't do a lot of birthday parties, and to this day, I still kind of am freaked out by working for like if somebody were to try to hire me for like somebody's you know eighth birthday party (laughs) i'd be like you should really hire somebody better than me and it's 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 because i'm just not comfortable in that type Uh of a setting ultimately i get the most fun out of perform now i can perform for younger people and i have no problem performing for teenagers Mm -hmm. but i need to be performing most of the time for a group that is sophisticated enough that i feel like it's I can treat them like adults. So right. thirteen year olds, I can treat them like adults. I mean, the humor might be a, a little bit different, but you, usually when I'm doing magic, like I'm just making sure the most important thing to me. I can add in humor, I can add in drama, I can add all. The most important thing for me is to hit you hard with mm-hmm. a really strong magic trick. And what you said is true about that. Earlier. It doesn't matter if the person's eighty years old or if they're sixteen years old. You get them with a really good strong magic trick, and they're going to respond because. It just hits us in a very vulnerable place that yeah. is really cool. So that's cool. Well, I, I've well with magic, I, I do a little bit of crowd interaction. Sometimes I will get people on stage to sing with me. Okay. So when you get somebody from the audience, I'm just curious. I'll tell you mine in a second. But what do you look for in a person before you invite them up on stage? Do you have any kind of pre-qualifying things you do early okay. in the show to kind of? So you don't want the person who's jumping out of their seat. Yeah. You know, because like that person is, they want way too much attention. Uh-huh. It's like that is. A potential recipe for disaster. Uh, for me, I usually want the person who has a pleasant look on their face, like they're smiling, they're having fun, maybe they're reacting and just having a good time. But it's it's kind of, there's some I don't know it's there's some intangibles that are hard to describe when you're looking for somebody. But for me, I, you know, when I walk into the audience, if they drop their head and start looking at the floor, I automatically know. Okay, let's. Let's avoid that person yeah, yeah. because they're not they they know I'm looking for somebody and they're specifically telling me nonverbally they don't want to help right. out. So you know I try to look for somebody who's comfortable with themselves, um, who's who is uh, you know who I just kind of can inherently tell this person would be okay to step up on stage. And another thing, um, I it, it depends on what is physically required. Right. So uh, if I need somebody to read. 
I will use like they have to read something. You know, if you're going to pick somebody older, you may even have to ask them. Do you do you have reading glasses? Do you have them with you? Right, right. Um, if you're going to pick somebody that has to walk up some steps, usually you want to pick somebody who looks like they can physically do it. Probably a little bit younger, in decent shape. Yeah. Just because you you never know when you get. I mean, I've done shows where I've gotten up that 80 year old lady, and it t- literally took me an entire minute, 60 <laughs> seconds, and me holding her arm to help her up the stage up the steps, yeah. onto the stage. And, you know, you have to do that some before you realize what does and doesn't work. Yeah, that's funny. On all three of those points, um, I went to see Steve Martin and Martin Short. Okay. And they have a bit where they get two or three guys, I guess three guys up to do the Three Amigos dance. They put the hats on them. They teach them the moves and all that stuff. And Steve Martin walks out there and I said, I need, some, I need a volunteer. And there's a guy wearing a sombrero at the Randall Opry. <laughs> and he's like, me, me, me. He goes, definitely not you. A little too eager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so that from a magician to a magician, that's the funny thing. Yeah. And you were talking about, you know, the people that are looking away, um, the old person. Like I had a <gasps> had a guy recently at a par- at a corporate party, and like he was, I kind of look for people that are engaged, like they're laughing yeah. hard, and they and ideally a married guy because he's okay. used to being told what to do. Okay, you know, okay, what I mean? yeah, he's, sure. And yeah. if he doesn't, then I can play off of that and those things. But this guy was totally into my show, and he's rocking out. I said, okay, I need a backup singer, and everybody like, points to the guy. And he's like, oh, I'm in, I'm in. I'm like, okay. And then it takes him a long time. He's maybe 65, not that much older. Um, but he's he's taking a while to get up the stage. And it's he's a little, uh, I wouldn't say incapable, but it's taken all he's got to walk yeah. up these steps. Yeah, just sure. three steps. Sure. And then he gets up there. I'm like, everything good? He's like, yeah, I just had double knee replacement two weeks ago. Oh. And I'm like, you should be. Okay. I said, <laughs> just take it easy. You know, don't, <laughs> don't fall off this thing and sue me. Yeah, but you you do want to find like the people that are engaged, the people that play along, but not too eager, right? And uh, so I've had, um, but you have to make the mistake a few times. You do, and even all you know, one time out of a hundred is still gonna be something sure. goes crazy, absolutely. You know, but I, I tend to find that single people in their twenties uh, gonna be a little bit more snappy at you. They're, they're gonna be trying to be funny, whereas an older person is just trying to remember where they are right now. So right. they're really focused on what you're asking them to do. I mean, the younger person, they got something to prove. They want to impress their date. You know, yeah. there's a lot of that stuff going on. Like who's the, who's the person who's cool. Who's the alpha, all that yeah. stuff is going on. You got to be careful about that. So, you know, yeah. And then like the really, really pretty girl, you got to be careful about picking her as well, because just because so much attention, she's used to the attention, you know, and it's like, what do people think when you pull up the, the really attractive girl? It's like, oh, now the magician's trying to hit on the pretty girl. Whether that's the case or not, but there's all sorts of crazy things that are going on in my head when I'm looking at yeah. audience members. So it's like, you know, just, just has a girl ever made your your phone number disappear immediately? My after phone number, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe in the trash. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm sure it's happened more than uh, more it's than. Not I in this hand. It's not in this hand. I don't have it no more. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. I can't call you. <laughs> that's funny, man. So, well, I want to. Definitely touch base on a couple of things. Okay. Um, Hit me. I think what's really cool about you, I mean, the magic, everything is solid. And, but, but you've had some, some things to overcome to get to where you're at now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We can spend as much or as little time sure. on this as you no, want. Sure. No, I'm all over it. Let's talk about it. But I think it's really cool. So, so Jason has Tourette's. Tourette it, syndrome. There's different types of Tourette's. And you, you say in your TEDx talk, which I'll link to in this podcast notes that everybody should watch. Because uh, there's some cool tricks in there, but you you say people think of Tourette's as you're just you know, keep you swearing uncontrollably, yeah, and you never have that. You don't have that kind unless you're golfing, which I think is just a great <laughs> quick joke. You know, I, I, well, as you were saying, I'm like I was thinking uh, I've got that when I'm driving or whatever. You know, yeah. so it's it it a great little well timed joke in there. 
But you talk about how you found out you had Tourette's. It took a while to kind of have it diagnosed correctly, right? Yeah. And it was seven years old when you started to have the, the twitches a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, actually, if you ask my mom, she she would tell you that she saw it even at much younger. Mm-hmm. She could tell that there was something just a little bit off. Um, sort of my first memories of it, six or seven years old, being just a, just a little kid in the car mm-hmm. with dad uh, and driving to school. And all of a sudden, I'm just doing all these I'm literally, I'm just kind of moving my chin against my collarbone and it's just over and over and over, just rubbing my neck raw. Mm-hmm. And it's very frustrating because you're like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, why can I not stop doing this? Because Tourette's is a, it's a, the, what they call them, they call them ticks. Mm-hmm. That's what the movements or vocalizations are called. And they're uncontrollable, they're rapid and they're repetitive. So, you know, you can't stop them. They're uncontrollable. They happen over and over and over again, they're repetitive and they're rapid. So they happen fast. It just kind of ha- comes out of nowhere and then it's gone uh, after like it works its way. And it's hard to say, but it's it's a weird thing to say, but it feels like something is working its way out of uh-huh. your body. And um, and so, yeah, that that's kind of was the first, you know, as a six or seven year old little boy um, feeling that you know, why can't I not stop doing this mm-hmm. and not understanding it? And, and then it was, you know, I'm, I'm in my early forties and, um, back then, and people know what Tourette's is now, but back then. Yeah. They probably, like you said, misdiagnosed as yeah, ADHD it's just, HD or. Yeah. There, there wasn't nearly the visibility and the education that we have now. Mm-hmm. So it took, it took until like I was about, I think I was, I'm pretty positive. I was 13 years old and it was at a, uh, uh, neurologic, uh, a pediatric neurologist who, who we went and saw, uh, my mom took me to see and said, Oh, you have Tourette syndrome and started me on medication. And that medication was very frustrating because with Tourette's, uh, they, they call it the ticks, they wax and they wane. So sometimes they're really strong and sometimes they're very, very light, like mm-hmm. nothing happening at all. And so the thing is that you, they start you on medicine and they have to, you have to build up to a certain amount of the medicine before it's supposed to really even help. But then you have to ask the question, well, is the medicine the thing that's stopping it? Or am I in a waning period? Right. Or, you know, what's the deal here? You know, and so that was years of taking different types of medicine. Frustrating. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, crazy. Plus you're in your teen years. I mean, oh. you got all this stuff going on, social awkwardness that everybody has, sure. and that on top of it. Sure. So what in how did that in school, like, did you have friends that had your back no matter what? And there were some people that were kind of bullies about it or did it? You know, there have been, I mean, there have been times when people say things, you know, you know, w- when we just go about life, just in general as people, most of the time, you know, you're not looking for somebody to comment on you mm-hmm. about something that you don't even maybe realize that you're doing. I mean, just the other day, for instance, I was, uh, I was at a movie and, and I heard this person next to me. So why is he, why is he moving around so much? And I and I was like, ah, damn, come it. Yeah. And I just kind of had to like lean back in my chair and try to just calm myself down, take some deep breaths. And it's that type of thing. Now that that person wasn't, he didn't point it out They're to me. Curious, he didn't. Yeah. It, but it, but it's the type of thing that I don't want to be. Uh, I'm not like a monkey in a zoo. Right. I'm not I'm not like somebody I don't want people looking at me going what's the deal with him. So no when I was a kid um I had friends that um just were my friends just because you know we, we were friends. And then of course there are always going to be people in life no matter how old you are right. or, or any of that. There are going to be people who want to say certain things to you about 
whatever they don't like about you. There's just always going to be that out there. Now, I was really fortunate uh, because my my mom and dad just did a fantastic job just helping build confidence into me, mm-hmm. um, knowing that I was loved, knowing that they had my back. Um, my mom would go in when I was little to these classrooms and say, you know, Jason's dealing with this stuff and talk to my teachers so that they kind of knew something right. was up. So. I didn't have a lot of people like coming out at me like, but, but, you know, I was pretty, um, you know, a lot of performers are very intuitive, emotionally based people. So it doesn't take a whole lot for very many people to say negative or hurtful things for that type of thing to kind of scar you. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. It, it it happened, but, uh, at the same time, um, you kind of just have to realize that the world is not always a friendly place. Yeah. But you're, you're able to to manage it and work through it enough to where it didn't affect your studies or Yeah, that's right. That that's right. And you got into acting in college, you said, right? Well, I was in high school. That's Yeah, it started in high school. I, was, I just auditioned for a play called the Junior-Senior Play, and it was for juniors and seniors. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Just and, keep it uh, simple. Just keep it simple. If you're a junior or a senior, you can be in this play. And uh, I auditioned for a play, and I got a part. And it was when I was standing out on stage that, that there was no Tourette syndrome. I mean, it was there, but none of the ticks came out. You think it's because of the focus you had yeah. on doing your job? Absolutely. Like if, and oh, it, yeah. And, that's, and, and so did that make you want to do more acting? Or did you real, even realize it at that point that, hey, this is kind of a temporary fix for this because I'm, I'm so focused on doing the show, I'm not focused on myself or anything right. that's going on? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think I was really paying attention to it. But I will say this. I've always been very focused on the idea that if I'm st- – you know, I, I don't like to, I like to perform, but I don't like to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stand up in front of 400 people and have them laugh at me, right. laugh with me. Yes. Laugh at me. No. So yes, the level of focus was certainly there. No doubt. That's cool. What point were you able to go full time into magic? So I ended up getting a job. So I got done with college in 97 and I, um, uh, I, I saw an ad in a magic magazine and it was for um, this guy named Brett Daniels, who is just a f- and brilliant illusionist and who I knew who he was. And he needed a stagehand for his show and uh, a position had you know, opened up. And I just uh, I just sent my resume and they contacted me and say, hey, and they said, hey, um, can you come meet us? And so I went and met with them and uh, the, the, the production team and uh, with Brett. And I got a job working with him, and I was working for him 99, 2000, and a little bit in 2001. And then on and off for the next 10, 12 years, I worked with him, not full time, mm-hmm. but you know, part time from time to time. And it was really in about 2002 after I had worked for him and after I had kind of started doing a little bit of magic in some restaurants that I, in a restaurant I was working in, that I said, okay, this is your chance. Mm-hmm. Do it now. You know, I actually took a job bartending. And the reason I took the job bartending is number one, because I thought it looked fun. And number two, because I knew I wasn't going to want to be a bartender my whole life. Right. And three, you got access to do a quick trick right exactly. and left. Everybody sitting there staring at their face, you know, exactly. staring face down at their drink. And that is what kind of gave me the confidence to say, oh, okay, I can do this for real. Yeah. 
That's interesting. And I'm just curious, does a magician's resume, like when you send it in, does it turn into confetti and a dove flies out of it? That'd be a heck of a way to get a job right there. I like it. Send it in. Like, is this kind of good? Oh, my gosh. This thing blew up my hands. That's, you know what? You probably get every gig you, you uh, audition for. That's pretty good. That's pretty cool, man. And so and so, I imagine you learned quite a bit from being his stage hand, learning how he went about his business. Oh, yeah. And, and not just on, on stage, but behind the scenes and how you handle the clients oh all those my kinds of things right you know it was a show in a casino and uh it was the greatest it was the greatest gig ever i mean i was i just was like i hit the jackpot that's mm-hmm. what i thought and i still feel that way because i felt like i just got the type of training you know granted it was i, mean, I was a theater major in college so it was just the next logical step to be working on a big stage in a you know beautiful theater mm-hmm. um but i was getting to do magic and i was getting to help this world-renowned magician so i'm sitting here and i'm thinking to myself this is the best training it, no ain't nobody who's getting training like this no not, i'm trying to think if there's no comedic equivalent of, of stage hand yeah you know? yeah i mean you you might be an opening act for somebody which is a totally different <laughs> deal and, and they might be able to but they're always gonna be looking out for themselves more than anybody else you had a guy who's doing his thing and you had to do well to make his show work so right. he was invested in you which is really cool right Right. So it was really cool. And then, uh, yeah. So it was very cool. And then in 2002 or so, I kind of got my own thing going. But even then, it took me. And I mean, this is really the hard part about because I didn't know much about inter- the entertainment world. I knew about acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew how that worked. I didn't know much about how to make money as a magician. And so I had to figure that out. And that literally took me a couple of years of educating myself. How do you sell yourself? I mean, how does that even work? Right. You know, one day I just woke up and said, okay, I'm, I'm a professional magician. And my next thought was, and who knows this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm curious. I've got two questions on that end. But one is er, early on when you were promoting yourself as a magician full time, did you – at that point, kind of keep the Tourette's out of the website, oh, yeah. out of the permit, so you... Oh, I didn't want to talk about it at all. Oh, no. And that's a whole story to itself. I know. The, the, the fact that I'm willing to talk about Tourette's syndrome nowadays is a new thing within the last six, six years, maybe. Uh-huh. And it's all Stephen Bargatze's fault. Really? He's yeah. like, come on, man. This is a story people need to hear. And Stephen's got some great stories, And that's too. the reason why. Um to, I'll try to keep it short because I could it could turn into a long story. But to make a long story short, Stephen has an incredible story. He goes out and he speaks to a lot of uh, young people, high school groups, about um, drugs and alcohol and all that type of stuff and how it can affect your life and your family and all that type of stuff. And so he tells his really powerful story. He learned about my power, my story, and he said, "You have to tell people about this." I said, "Absolutely not. I'm not going to discuss this because." I didn't want to be that guy that people looked at and said, oh, isn't he a good magician for somebody with a, you know, a disability? Ah, I just wanted to be good at what I did. That was it. And so I wanted to be that Superman guy that people were like, oh, he's so cool. Steven was like, no, man, you have to tell your story. So he started paying me to go on the road with him and like help him set up his shows and tear down his shows and help him set when he had multiple shows in a day. Um, And he would say, no, I, I really need your help. And, you know, did he really need my help? Probably not. But he wanted me to see him do it. Yeah. And what I saw, and I saw him do this. I saw him tell his story and do his show multiple times. And then one day... It all clicked in when I he I saw him do his thing, 
and I'm standing off to the side and he's finished up and I'm putting some of his stuff away and I'm just looking at him and I'm seeing all these young people, these, you know, juniors and seniors, sophomores, whatever, come up to him and talk to him. And I kind of walk over and they're just like so emotional and he's really touched them. And I said, that's what it's about. It's not about you, Jason. It's about them. It's about, it's not about how cool you are. It's about how you can share that we're all in this together and we all have difficult things that we have to go through. And that's the reason Stephen wants you to tell your story. And that's when it clicked. And that's when I started opening up to the idea. But it still took a little while before I really fully opened up to it. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And obviously, Stephen's a, a super dude. Yeah. And I'll link to his podcast for those of you that haven't heard it yet. He's got a really cool story. But yeah, it's, it is, once you make that jump, and I almost wanted to just start a whole podcast just about the jump from it's all about you to when it's all about the audience, yeah. you know, because I think that's when all the magic stuff happens. Those are the stories I love to hear. So that, that was cool that he strategically. Oh, yeah. You know, and I know he does a lot of shows. Like his wife was talking at, at Zany's about how sometimes he'll be packing up from one show and the other one starts in an hour away. And it's, oh, you know, yeah. just boom, 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 hitting two or three. And then he's home for a day. Then he goes 300 miles the other side of Tennessee or right. almost, you know, he's all over the place doing it. But he he saw in you a good story that not everybody could relate to for sure. But your story happened back in the school days, and he's in schools telling these these kids about right. it. So it's it's really cool cool of him to do that. And then you you got comfortable enough with it to um, include that in your promotional materials, and then write a book. Yeah. So was is the book six years old or somewhere within that six no, years? No, the book is uh, it released uh, maybe eight months ago. Okay, so this is brand new. No, maybe maybe seven months ago. Oh, the book is brand new. Um, I have another friend who told me for a long time, "Hey, you really need to write a book." And I was like, "Yeah, who wants to read a book about? Like, what are you talking? Right. Why would you even say that? It's like that doesn't make any sense. I don't need to write a book." He's like, "No, no, no, you need to write a book." And I just, he just kind of planted that seed there in my in my head. And then at some point I just, uh, with Steven kind of convincing me and then myself, you know, once I opened up to the idea that it's not about, Oh, how cool am I? But it's more like, Hey, let's all connect together and let's let me help inspire you. Let me help you see yourself. The uh, Mr. Uh-huh. Audience member, let me help you see yourself in a bigger way. Um, you know, I, I did, I did a speaking engagement where I did my show and then I did, it was one of the very first times I did my story and a lady came up to me and said, my son committed suicide two years ago and this is the first time that I've actually understood what I'm supposed to do next. She said, I've been paralyzed this entire time and your story helped me understand that I'm supposed to go talk about this with people. And it was through like really powerful, like connections with other people Uh that it made me go, okay, Jason, this is definitely not about you. In fact, it, you know, what's weird about Tourette syndrome is that when you, they tell you when you're a teenager, you're going to grow out of it. You're going to stop having a lot of the ticks when you get into your twenties and thirties and stuff like that. And they'll probably stay that way. What happened with me is that they went away for a little while and they came back. I am convinced now, this is just me personally. I am convinced that the reason my ticks came back is because God wanted me to go out and talk about it uh-huh. and not just talk about Tourette syndrome, but talk about overcoming the challenges that feel impossible because I don't care who you are. I don't care how together your life is at some point in your life. It's going to feel like everything just fell apart and we need to feel connected. Yeah. We as humans need to feel connected to each other and we need to, 
be inspired sometimes. And sometimes we need to be motivated. We need to just connect with each other. So um, I say all that to basically say that uh, I finally thought to myself, well, I don't have kids. I'm not married. But maybe someday I'm going to want to pass something along. Man, I hope that at some point I get married and have kids. But at some point I'm going to want to pass something along. And I said, you know what? You should write a book and just mm-hmm. talk about this stuff. Talk about the crazy adventures that you've lived. Talk about you know, how you've been able to accomplish some of the stuff you've been able to accomplish. And, and, and I've been really lucky to get to do some really cool things. And so my book is um, – it's, it's, it's about – living with Tourette syndrome, but it's also about some of the principles and some of the things that I've learned on how to overcome the impossible. And what I mean when I say overcome the impossible is the idea that if you stop and think about it, that a kid, a teenage kid with an uncontrollable movement disorder would ever want to be up on a stage, would want to be a professional Mm -hmm. entertainer. People said it would be impossible. So when I did that and then I became a professional entertainer and got to travel around the world, I achieved, I overcame the impossible. And so the whole idea behind my book is to help is to, is it's an entertaining book. It is, it's a fun read, but ultimately to see, to help other people, you know, see, learn some of the techniques, learn some of the principles to overcome the impossible in their lives and to see themselves in a bigger, bolder way. Yeah. And it's cool. And you mentioned too, in your TEDx talk that it's, it may not be a tick. It may not be a condition, but it could be self-limiting thoughts. Absolutely. And how you don't give yourself enough credit to try bigger and bolder things, mm-hmm. which I think we're all, we all have a piece of that, that we need to oh my gosh. stretch out and overcome. In fact, the podcast uh, just before this one that released on January 1st, you know, one of the goals Johnny W had was just to be more fearless on stage. Like, you know, yeah. you, you get in that comfort zone of, well, the laughs are pretty good here, but you don't know if they could be great here if you didn't take some chances and, and stretch that bubble, as he called it, a little bit. So, right. so there's, yeah, there's always lessons to learn, and the, the book is available on your website. If, if, I'll put this all in the show notes, but you want to check out jasonmichaelsmagic.com. And let's talk about just the business approach here for a okay, second. Okay, sure. Because if people are wondering how to put a website together, I want them to check out your website. <laughs> I was blown away. I mean, I'm, I'm working on three different websites right now, different forms. And just the the way you've got it laid out, it's obviously mobile friendly. The uh, The way you use video, which is, is the main way people check stuff out now, is sure. it's really good on the site. Yeah, um, You've got your media page of you doing things, but you also have some great endorsements, recommendations. Thank you. And I think that's one thing that, it's an advantage for you right now. I've got some on my site, but I think the folks that are not using short video testimonials after the show from either right. people that watch the show or the person that hired you, you're missing out because I naturally gravitated to that just as a person on the website going, oh, man, I want to see what they're saying about Jason. Yeah. And then that gives the potential client or buyer enough information to go, well, it sounds like he's doing a pretty good job. Now I'm going to go read about Jason and, Absolutely. and then contact him. Did you put your website together? Did you have somebody help you? How long did it take? So... This is a this website probably launched a year and a half a year a year ago. Before that, I had a very not mobile friendly website. Uh-huh. I mean, it was it was just old and not that. I mean, it was it did a fine job for me, but I I needed to I needed to redo everything. Right. And so um, I knew that my skills are limited, and I'm the type of person who likes to think they can do everything. So so, but I also know that sometimes I'll see somebody 
somebody else's work that really can build a website and go, oh my gosh, look yeah. at that. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's what I wanted people to experience. So I got with uh, a guy who I know that is a graphic designer, photographer, web designer. Uh, and his wife is the graphic designer. He's the photographer and the web designer. And I said, uh, this is, we, we had a meeting about it, multiple over the phone and stuff like that. I said, this is what I'm going for. And I'd like you to build it. And we talked about the, the tone and, uh-huh. and, and all of that. And they built the initial website. Now, because it was built on uh, Squarespace, which is a really, really friendly, uh-huh. easy, this is all to, Squarespace? easy to use. This yeah. is the best looking Squarespace site I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a really easy to use. Like, like I know enough uh-huh. so that I can build pages and stuff like that. And so when they said we're going to build it on Squarespace, I initially was like build it on WordPress because I know WordPress a little. And they're like, we're going to build it on Squarespace. And I was like, okay, if you guys say it's good, then it's good. And uh and I learned that it's this really, it's really easy to to, to create good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they did the initial work, which is the design work, and the the whole feel of the website is theirs. But then I started adding additional things once I kind of could take a look at one of the pages they built, and I saw the different elements. I said, okay, so what's important? Well, Im- important for. Uh, a viewer on your website is the first thing they see above the fold before mm-hmm. they have to start scrolling. What do people want to see? Well, they usually want to see maybe a testimonial, but they definitely want to see a video. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, I've had to, that was probably the hardest part. Like when I was telling you earlier, that education about the business side of it, it's all, that's, that to me, the, the sales and marketing education is where you, that's where you sink or swim as uh-huh. an entertainer. I mean, I hate to say it, but you can be a just an average entertainer, but if you've got great material, you will do just fine. Yeah. Whereas if you're a monster entertainer, but your but your website stinks and you know, it doesn't come across your your level of ability doesn't come across through your marketing materials, you're gonna starve. Yeah. And it's just it just stinks, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Well I've I've heard a couple of things recently that uh, you know, it's, these are statements that are hard to quantify, but somebody said, if your only work is coming through word of mouth, it means your online presence sucks. Yeah. Okay. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. If your only work is coming from your online presence, but you're not getting rebooked, your website's better than your show. <laughs> Which makes kind of sense, right? Sure, sure. So it's hard to quantify that. But if you've got a great show, you've got a great website. So I, I think you've got it. Well, I appreciate I think it. they're on level with each other. And let me just say this, that this is a never ending process like that website what you see there there are more pages there than there were initially when it was initially designed because now i've started to like that the the page for the book when the thing was built the book didn't even exist mm-hmm. so i did build some of that stuff but i i kind of made sure that i understood and what's cool about it is there's plenty of information out there. There's tons of information on sales, marketing, persuasion, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. So uh, it is – you can learn it and so that you can do it. But uh, what you were talking about with the, the videos and mm-hmm. like the – the um the thumbnail uh-huh. so that it looks it's a dynamic looking video that's something I learned within the last three months really yeah yeah that it's cool like I was gonna say the uh, if you go to jasonmichaelsmagic.com and pull up his website click over to the endorsements page and so he's got feedback from different people uh, after different shows but there's a real nice style to it that's consistent because all these people are from in different yeah. places with different backgrounds or different ages right but 
there's a nice quick quote that's in print and and boom their name and what they're doing at the bottom so I might actually borrow a little bit of this yeah. idea of just taking a quick quote to put in there because mm-hmm. I don't have that. And uh, it just rolls on and on. People can watch as many as they want, but they, I would assume some people come here and they just see the volume of testimonies. Like, yep. ah, he must be pretty good. You know what? I learned that from another guy because I used to have all my testimonials on one reel and I thought, um, you know, they'll just click on this and they'll just watch the reel. It's, it's five minutes long and they'll see them say everything. You'll see every person say something great about me. And then this other guy said he had – I bet you his page was a mile long, and I and he and he made the point. I was, I was it was an educational thing I was learning from him. He said he was teaching uh, teaching how to do this, and he said, "Well, there's a reason I have 50 testimonial videos because I want to overwhelm them. They don't even have to watch the videos. The yeah. fact that they can see that 50 people have made videos for me talking about." They already know yeah. that the video is good. They don't have to watch it. It's on my website. They yeah. they know what the person's going to say. That alone has so much social proof yeah. that it makes you go, all right, this guy is what he says he is. Yeah, and another thing I'm just noticing now, too, which I – I may steal a few ideas from you. You should. It's there's I mean, I those aren't all my ideas. Those are other people's ideas that I've taken. Well, I so. like the fact that the thumbnail not only has a quote, but nine times out of ten they're smiling. Oh yeah. Like I don't know if you even knew that, but I'm sure, assuming you maybe gravitated towards those parts. But the people are happy before you even look at the video, you know that they're happy and yeah. And so that just says we were happy with the results. Sure. Well cool. Jason, as we're hitting towards the end here. What's a goal that you have for 2018? So right here at the beginning of it. Uh, the biggest thing for me is visibility. I get so tired of just the nonstop hustle of just hustling work and hustling work and hustling work. And I know, and I've met enough entertainers to know that everybody's out there hustling work. And you may look at a guy and go, man, that guy's just killing it. He's hustling just as hard as everybody else, yeah. and he may not be killing it as much as you think he's killing it. You know, that's what I've learned. I've learned there's a whole lot of people who are doing plenty well, but there's a whole lot of people that just appear to be doing well. And when you really learn, it's like that person has the same struggles that everybody yeah. has. So my biggest thing is trying to um, create more visibility. And my big goal for 2018 is uh, – national television footage you know you've got more, so many opportunities nowadays for national tv footage whether you're talking about america's got talent or whether you're talking about um you know some cable news channel right. there's there's tons of opportunity and the other thing that i'm doing uh, is in addition it, it's connected to that it's not specifically national tv appearances but it is to really hone in on programming my youtube channel mm-hmm. so that i'm consistently and constantly putting out good content on my youtube channel and trying to trying to get that out there so that it builds you know because you 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 and i both heard it where you say oh in order to get work all you have to do is have a really good show well Yes and no, but if you, in today's world, you have to put out tons of great material mm. so that people can stumble on it and then find it and then follow you and then see more of your material and then fall in love with you and become a fan. Yeah. So no, that's a great point. It's and the other thing too, I guess that people that want to watch your stuff, they can't unless you put it up. People that don't want to watch aren't going to watch it anyway. That's a good point. So you're not going to ruin anybody's day. Absolutely. Throw it up there if they want to share it, they share it. Well, cool, Jason. 
really nice that you finally oh, get to come in here and hang out. Absolutely. Thank you. It's fun. I learned a little bit today. And, uh, <laughs> and just from looking at your website, I've, I've learned that I've got another three things on my list of things to do for 2018. Sure, sure. Cool, man. Well, stay safe out there. Thank you, man. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jason Michaels. Very sharp guy, very thoughtful guy, and a guy who's taking care of business. Put his pedal to the metal, foot to the floor, and uh, now is doing what he wants to do full-time. And it is a grind, it is a hustle, but he's doing it the right way, and I'm happy to see him have some success and share some of that knowledge that he's gained over the years with us on this episode. Hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to catch me again, Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids, March 17th, or at the She Conference, SheCon, as they call it, SheConference.net for more details on that. That, again, is uh, the 28th, 29th, and 30th of January. So if you're hearing this when it releases, you've got a week or two to get signed up for that. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you later. And if you haven't before, leave us an iTunes review, would you? It makes me feel good. All right. See you. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.